Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about on this show. Another ATP Challenger breakdown from Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Babaro. On today's show, they discuss the never-ending thrillers delivered by the South American Challengers. They discuss a surprising and unexpected maiden title from Manuel Guinard. They talk about the recent IT. TF standouts due to compete in Zadar this week and so much more. It is a fantastic episode that I know all of you podcast listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, if you're looking for recaps on all things Indian Wells, rest assured we have you covered. A two mini break Monday for all of you. Tennis.com's David Kane joined me to break down all of the women's action. Our returning champion, Gil Gross, joined me to talk about all of the men's action as well. Again, you can find those podcasts on the mini break podcast feed or wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, before I get to today's show, I have to give out a couple of thank yous. Obviously, to all of you listeners who continue to tune in to our Crack Rackets Patreon family, we are immensely grateful for your support. Of course, we are also so grateful for the support we get from our friends at Turn Grip. And all of you know that iconic blue purple grip you see on pro tennis players' rackets, whether it be you know at the highest level ATP events all the way through to the futures, the challengers, of course, at the junior level, the college level, just about everyone uses Turner Grip. That's because it's the best in the business. But folks, it's not just the Turner 
grip. They've got strings and so much more. And again, there's a reason they have become identifiable as a brand within tennis equipment, right? You don't call it a grip. You call it a turner grip, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. If that interests you, if you would like to join the Turner family today, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. Let them know we here at Crack Racket sent you, which we would appreciate because it lets them know we are sending you there. But of course, you can get discounted pricing. You can get free samples as well. That's emailing sales at uniquesports.com, sales at uniquesports.com. Again, a huge thank you to our friends at Turner for their support. They've been with us since just about the start, folks. And obviously, it is a product we very much believe in. If it's good enough for my sweaty hands, I promise it's good enough for you. Contact sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today or, of course, purchase Turner products wherever you buy your tennis goods. With all of that said, enough with the plugs. Let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger recap podcast from our Crack Rackets contributors, Damian Kust and Yaka Barbaro. Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge of the Podcast. Uh, I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub. We're going to discuss uh, Concepcion, Rosetto, Dari Abruzzi, and Phoenix. We're very excited to do that. Uh, without further ado, let's just go into it. Where do we go first? I think let's start with Phoenix, yeah. uh, a tournament that was, was a bit of a surprise in the way it went. You know, two unseeded guys in the finals, certainly two guys that I wasn't expecting to see there beginning of the week. Two alternates as well, right? That's that. Yeah, yeah. Alternates. I have never seen this stat. I mean, I'm just assuming that it's ultra rare. I don't know. Should be. And it was Dennis Kudla taking the title over Daniel Altmaier, 2 6 6 2 6 3 in the final. His eighth challenger title uh, in his 18th final. Quite a veteran of the challenger tour, Kudla is. Uh, he moves up 18 spots, number 84, re-enters the top 100 for the first time since November after his slower start to the year. Uh, he beat Mitchell Kruger, Mats Morang, Richard Gasquet, JJ Wolf before Altmaier. Uh, how did you like Kudla this week? I mean, definitely not among the guys I considered to, to win yeah. this. Mostly as both him and Altmaier had, like, they weren't in good form at all, right? I mean, Altmaier had like 5-9 for the year. Yeah, Kudla is now nine and nine. Altmaier is nine and ten. Yeah, so, so Kudla was four nine. Yeah. Kudla was four nine for the year, and Altmaier was five nine for the year. Obviously, these this was their first challenger appearance of the season, so it's explainable. Obviously, higher levels of competition, but I guess you'd still expect more, uh, especially with how they performed here. Honestly, middle of the week, I was that certain that JJ Wolf was gonna win this. <laughs> And I was so regretting not picking him because I remember hesitating between the internet and, and Wolf. And mm-hmm. I, I remember at that point, Wolf seemed a little bit like a hero call, which maybe in, in retrospect, it wasn't. Uh, but the, the semifinal victory for Kudla definitely caught me off guard. He actually only lost, serve, lost his serve once going into the final. He ruined yeah. this statistic, obviously, uh, <laughs> today because he dropped it twice. <laughs> and it was a very weird final in the sense that you know, it seemed like Altmaier would just get it done in 40, no, 40 minutes is a stretch, but <laughs> let's say 70 minutes. Uh, at that point when he was uh, 6-2, uh, 6-2, and then it, it was the fifth game of the second. He had two break points and then suddenly lost seven in a row which was just quite a shock. But obviously, Kudla loves these uh, fast conditions. Uh, you know, he can he can play the backhand very, very early of the, of the bounce. That's why he's so good on grass. He's actually like, 
uh, I mean, uh, is there even a grass court specialist other than Kudla right now on the tour? <laughs> it, it, it may sound weird when we when we just witnessed see you know witnessed him uh, winning a hardcore challenger, actually a challenger one to five, so you know, probably the most stacked challenger of the season. But I remember when you look at his uh, main tour uh, main tour appearances, I think he has four of his six uh, quarterfinals there on grass which you know relative to, relative to how little grass we have on the tour is quite shocking he actually has also has one challenger on grass right yeah ilkley 2015 but three finals in in general he's like uh extremely good when when the when the bounce is low uh, which makes total sense with his flat backhand and uh, obviously always a pleasure to watch in in such conditions yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kudla is a menace on grass, uh, but I, I, I feel like a specialist is a bit too far. Maybe, maybe on the main tour, he's a specialist. On the main tour, yeah. On in challengers, no. Yeah. Very, very efficient on on hard as well. Yes, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, with with, uh, with with him reaching the final, was was Altmaier a bit of a surprise for you uh, on on the other half? Ah. Uh... I guess I still have my reservations when it comes to Altmaier on hard courts, and I probably shouldn't, honestly, uh, watching him. I mean, his serve is so dangerous right now. And it was also the case in Puerto Vallarta or Knoxville last year when he made these big runs. Uh, actually, in four, uh, the, four pre- the four challengers he played most recently, so Champagne, Knoxville, Puerto Vallarta, and Phoenix, he's made three finals in them, all on hard courts. So I think we've come to a point where we need to treat Daniel Altmaier as a threat on hard courts as well. It's just a shame that he hasn't been able to show that on the main tour, at least in these first three months of the year. Yeah, he will certainly get his opportunities as he moves up to number 69, new career high rank for Altmaier. So we're going to be seeing him on the mostly on the main tour. I'll be surprised if he plays any more challengers this year. Uh, his sixth challenger final here uh, beat Vukic, Rusuvori, uh, Rado Albot, Ali, and Brody um, going to the final. We should talk more about Wolf, though, because as as you said, you thought he was reaching the final or, or winning it all. Uh, so did I, to be frank. I was sort of hoping that I, you know, oh, I just happened to pick the wrong American wildcard in Nakashima. take <laughs> 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 it. Uh, what do you think was the was the key for for Wolf this week? He was so good at Indian Wells already. Like, honestly, he, he just missed out on these match points against uh, Bautista Agut, which is very funny because had he converted, then he wouldn't even be there uh, here, in, yep. here in Phoenix. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he just has this game when he's playing well, when he's on, he can beat practically anyone. Uh, and he sometimes shows it. And I, this is a guy I would love to see on the main tour, really. I think at some point it should happen. I, I imagine that there will be a summer or, or a season where Wolf just peaks, wins a few challengers and gets to the top 100. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if it never does actually happen. But I mean, the, I, the, the reason why I'd like to have him, as much as I love watching human challengers, of course, uh, the reason I, why, why I would love to have him on the main tour is that he plays the same game against everyone. And if it's working, there's really you know, practically practically anyone can be beaten with this. He just always goes forward, always plays the same with the same aggression energy. And, and these sort of guys are, are the ones that can produce the upsets. Uh, maybe this week we didn't really see any because 
he was favored in all of his matches, probably even against the the second seed Musetti. Uh, but 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 yeah, that, that that's why I really I would really enjoy it if he if he did well and if he finally progressed to the main tour. Obviously, he was halted by that uh, surgery uh, at the beginning of last year, right? And was appendix, I think, but something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Wolf is certainly the type of guy that you can see. Uh, maybe drawing like, like like a big seed early in a in a slam and really putting on a show and like Ash, yeah. like Arthur Ash or in center court or something. Uh, so having having him in that position would be very exciting. Uh, let's talk a bit about the other semifinalist, Liam Brody, uh, beating Juan Manuel Serundo, your pick under Rinteknik, uh, and David Goffin to reach his first challenger semifinal since BL uh, in September last year. How did you like Brody this week? Yeah, I, I didn't actually see that much uh, with the internet. I was actually recording uh, a podcast with Alex at the time, and we were we just mentioned him, and he said that it would be a very bad loss if the internet lost to Brody. I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I just always view Brody as this very unpleasant, tricky to face guy. These lefty spins are awful. <laughs> Obviously, not awful in the in, in the sense that they're that they're bad. They're awful to face. And I mean, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I, I definitely thought that we were going to get another Brody Wolf uh, before the semis. But as I said, I'm, I am underestimating Altmaier on hard courts for sure. And Wolf Kudla was one of the, the more surprising results of the week for me. But yeah, but Brody, Brody was definitely impressive. He's shown time and time again that at this very high challenger level, he can compete with, with these guys easily. He's made so many of these challenger finals. <laughs> Uh, still lacking that tiny bit to get to the top 100. I don't know if it's if it's like realistically doable at this point uh, because he's gonna start dropping some soon. No, probably not. But the clay court season is obviously his worst, uh, by far his worst moment of the year. Yeah, he he he's like 150 points away from the top 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as long as we keep seeing him in challengers, I, I think I think I'll be happy. He's quite. Uh, fun to watch for me. Um, some of these quarterfinals that we could bring up. Um, Vedasco made a quarterfinal to follow up his his Monterey title. Uh, two quite grueling matches. Uh, beats Cecchinato and then uh, beat out Mekhajak 7-6 uh, in the third. Uh, any thoughts on Vedasco this did you Did you see the ending of his match against Mekhajak? I didn't know. No, there was this uh, moment when, uh, well, Verdasco led 4-0 in the decider and Maishak got it back to 5-5, saving two match points and Verdasco got a game penalty then. Uh, first a point penalty, then a game one because he kept screaming uh, swear words in Spanish. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then suddenly Mike Shack had two match points, but Verdasco saved them and won the match. So it was it got pretty crazy. Yeah, you 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 rarely see that uh, to this extent, especially at five five in the third. But he was the one serving after the after the game he lost. I'm assuming that if he was to be returning, he probably would have stopped himself. Uh, yes, maybe we could also bring up uh, David Goffin uh, making a quarterfinal here, uh, beat out uh, Kovacevic in a pretty wild <laughs> scoreline, 1-6, 6-3, 6-3, then beat Eubanks, 6-4 in the third before uh, falling to Brody. Any thoughts on, on Goffin here? I mean, it's a good sign for him, I suppose. 
I did, this is probably a guy who could really benefit from having a challenger like this every once in a while. Obviously, he's still in the ranking range when he's not going to play them uh, unless they're like one, one to fives, probably. So, but, but this is a guy who could certainly benefit from having just, just winning a few matches, you know, getting confidence because he's been yeah, I, without it. I do think we'll, we'll, we'll start seeing a lot more of him soon. Uh, he's defending 180 points in Monte Carlo yeah. uh, a couple of weeks from now. So I, I think after that, that's um, going to be quite a steep drop for him. His first challenger since Phoenix uh, last time he played in 2019, where he also reached a quarterfinal. Of course, he was in a quite different <laughs> position back then. Uh, all right, anything more on, on Phoenix? We should probably mention Mekic Babic yep. in the doubles. Uh, who obviously were quite a bit closer in the <laughs> predictions for the peak, peak audience. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, they made the, the semis, uh, beat uh, Reese and Verbeek and Goranson Lamens before losing to Otte and Struff. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't really get the numbers. I, I was hoping that they would. Although yeah. they're, they're scheduled. Were, were quite rough they, they, the they, scheduling they, was they, awful for you yes for your prediction for sure because the first two matches were at 4 a.m in europe and the third one was uh right around the time when nadal and alcaraz were playing their semi probably the biggest match of all week uh but in general i mean i don't think it would have improved it much uh there were like 200 people watching the super tie break in the semis it just turns out that you know, even Mektic and Pavic won't make anyone watch challenger doubles. Uh, while still, maybe if there was any effort made to actually promote that, because I think what the, the ATP Challenger Tour Twitter account, for example, all they did was retweet one um, when the Arizona Tennis Classic account posted that Mektic and Pavic would be playing. I think they retweeted that. And other than this, I, I didn't see anything. And I mean, at least try, you know, but this account has been, yeah, uh, this account has been very inactive. Um, I'm sorry if, if anyone who's, uh, you know, leading this, uh, who's actually in charge of this is, is listening or something, but I mean, you really aren't doing enough in my opinion. Uh, I think easily without with minimal effort, you could get probably not many, many more people to watch Challenger streaming, but at least, I don't know, 50 or 100 would actually know that it exists, especially when there's a big thing to promote, like Mektic and Pavic playing a Challenger, because that, that doesn't happen every day. Absolutely. There are so many people always popping up on, on tennis Twitter that, that they're just new people coming in. Uh, I would love to be put in charge of like marketing these matches for, for the Challenger Tour because there's so much that you can do with it, even on the single side or, or on the double side. There are there are so many exciting ways to look at these matchups and, and ways to promote them. And it just unfortunately isn't happening. Like even just tweeting out links to the matches is just such a basic thing to do. Uh, and it just it just isn't being done. It's quite unfortunate. Uh, right, should we go on to Concepcion? Yeah, obviously, sure. Concepcion, where Tomas Martin Echeverri uh, got his third challenger title, beating out Hugo Deyen in the final 6 3 6 2. Uh, quite a surprise there <laughs> with, with how their weeks were, were shaping up. Uh, Echeverri up 15 spots, number 108, just 52 points away from breaking the top 100 for the first time in his life. 
Uh, on his route to the final, he beat up Fernandez Flores, uh, Gonzalo Lama, Camilo Ugo Carabay, and Renzo Olivo. How did you like Echeverri this week? Yeah, I mean, we, we sort of mentioned that perhaps with more match practice, he'd be getting better. And I think that more or less happened. Uh, as you said, I mean, the, 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 the fact that he won this final after how different they, the, their weeks were is pretty shocking. Yep. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Dayan took literally everybody to the bakery. Everybody got breadsticks or bagels from him uh, just to run through his his run uh, to the final. Uh, first, he beat Daniel Dutrasilva, 6-1-6 love. Uh, then Paul Job, 6-1, two-love retirement from Job. Uh, then Tirante in the quarterfinals, 6-6-3. Six, six, Barrios Vera in the semis, 6-3-6 six, six, love. Uh, and then he lost in the straight, in, in the straight sets to, to Echeverri. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pull up this stat my, these stats myself, but I, I guess I trust the guy who, whose tweet I'm just reading. And uh, shout out to John if he's listening. I know he sometimes does. Uh, Delian spent three hours and 56 minutes before the final on the court this week, and Echeverri spent 10 hours and 54 minutes. So it's that like almost three times as many, yeah, almost three times. And Delian lost obviously just eight games in his first four matches, and Echeverri lost 48. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you feel like, like Delian was maybe tired in the final or something? Yeah. Like that's. Yeah, which which is wild after just having such a quick week on the court. It's it's pretty insane. Yes, uh, these six straight games, right? He lost from from three three to zero three in the second. He definitely looked dead. Also, the last game, uh, or or the the one before. I mean, I, I'm I'm not really sure how this happened. Uh, obviously, he had one more match than Echeverry last week, but it still felt like with just four hours. In the in the first four matches here, he'd he'd easily be able to recover. Certainly, recover better than Echeverri, who played almost four hours with Uko Carabelli. So, I mean, yeah. I don't understand how it happened, but certainly still a great performance from Echeverri. But Dalian really wasn't up to play today. Mm. Yes. Um, as for Dayan, it's his thirteenth Challenger final. Uh, eight and five in those finals now, which you know is still a very good record. Um, Number 90 now in the rankings, moves up 11 spots. Uh, we already went through his run here. Yeah, uh, anybody else that we want to talk about in Concepcion? Um, there was something that I wanted to mention. Which Maybe I'll, 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 take, I'll take Renzo Olivo here because I didn't really see him uh, coming uh, to the semifinals. Beat Jesper de Jong, Facundo Mena, and Juan Pablo Barrias, which was a pretty big upset there in three sets. His first challenger semifinal since Ostrava in, in April last year. Any thoughts on Olivo? Um, I remember the match against Echeverri where it felt like he really could be winning this, especially with how uh, with, with how he, you know, with how Echeverri just finished a four-hour four-hour game against Ugo Carabelli. Uh, but Olivo took these like sets off. It felt like this week, like he felt like he was just so tired after the the first set against Echeverri and against Oli and against Varias as well. And then he would just come back in the third. And obviously against Echeverri, it failed. Uh, what I wanted to say is wanted to ask if we mentioned Echeverri's ranking because that's quite. Uh, I we didn't, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just mentioned he's 52 points away from... Ah, you did. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I got uh, distracted because I, I went on Twitter and, you know, to, to look up for that tweet and then I started replying to some people. I have to, I just have to turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we, we can talk a bit more about that. Uh, do you think he's going to make it? Of course. I mean, is, is it even a question? Uh, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's not really doing much in the next two months. Yeah. Uh, so it's been quite a nice window here. I think there's like one one result that he's going to be dropping until the end of May. So it's, especially as we now know that there's going to be a, a few more challengers in the, in South America, I think he's going to make it for sure. And obviously it's going to be very deserved because he the, the guy literally reached 15 challenger quarterfinals last year. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. I just, I just saw you, he's coached by Carlos Berlog. I, I didn't realize that or I forgot about that. So maybe maybe that's what's behind his, his recent success over the past two years. He's, <laughs> he's really stepped it up at Chiveri. Um All right, should we go to Rosetta degli Abruzzi? Yeah. Yes, where Manuel Guinard uh, took the title, 6-1-6-2 over, over Chung Sin Tseng. Uh, his debut challenger title did not drop a single set in wins over Milojevic, Gautier, Kovalik and Gianessi, or and, and Seng as well, uh, moves up 38 spots to number 161, his new career high ranking. How did you like Kinnard this week? Uh, he, he got a final last year at Aix-en-Provence, and I definitely figured that he is a guy that could potentially win one of these, but maybe not this week. <laughs> I mean, with just yeah. how, how strong the seeds seemed. You know, we've got, we've had Veseli, maybe Veseli and Clay at this point is not that strong, but I mean, we've had Veseli, Taberner, Zapata Mirales, uh, Milojevic even, whom he beat in the first round, uh, Mager, uh, Andrei Martin. <laughs> but I mean, that there were so many quality players here that I just didn't think, I, I imagine that if he if he's going to win one, it's probably going to be one of the uh, less stacked ones. And perhaps it was given that the, all the favorites went out early, practically. He was responsible for one of these losses, I imagine, against Milojevic. Uh, definitely a very good run. He never dropped a set. Such a dominant final as well. Uh, 22 games, I believe, in total. Uh, mm-hmm. were, you know, he, he lost 22 games in total, so just, just an extremely dominant week. Uh, you know, Sang in the final, I, I, I just don't really... Sang's matches are so unpredictable to me because every once in a while he just looks so good as against Taberner, runs down everything. And then he plays Guinard, who seemingly doesn't even have to do that much. Like Sang just, whenever he is forced to take the initiative, he just looks so out of his comfort zone. And it's it's sometimes really weird to watch because in other matches he appears to, he now appears to be doing fine in that position. Like some days it just seems like whatever, everything you need to do to beat him is just keep the ball in play. And that's literally Huh? Come again? Yeah, just just have to give him the ball, make him him play. Yeah, and Uh, he's going to beat himself. And he did in that final, sort of. Yeah, uh, he still does break the top 150, though. Uh, Pretty big for him. Up 11 spots, number 148. This was his fifth challenger title. On his way to the final, he beat Borg, Agamemnon, Taberner, and Skatov. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it. I, I, I sort of expected a little bit more from, from Kovali, to be honest, uh, at the quarterfinal stage. I, I quite liked him to reach the final. Uh, wasn't meant to be. I mean, he was beaten pretty handily by, by Gennard. Um, should we, who, who else do you want to talk about here in, in Rosetto? Rosetto degli Abruzzi. Um, I had Nuno Borges as a peak. <laughs> you had Gianluca Magel. Maybe you should skip that that part yeah, of, the, mean, of the talk. <laughs> Magel has lost to, Pelle, to Pellegrino. I did not see that coming at all. That just absolutely took me out. Um, yeah, just crazy. <laughs> yeah, Vesoli also looked pretty awful against Sardarusic. Uh, yeah, yeah just, just really all the favorites, just except Taberner. Taberner was actually, until the match against Sang, he was actually looking really strong and just seemed like he was going to uh, to win the whole thing again, honestly. Uh, but but all the other favorites just went out as early as round one, practically. So mm-hmm. uh, so in terms of in terms of the winner peaks, this was a very tough tournament to get for sure. Uh, very happy to see Team of Ace Katov do well again. It wasn't great, I, but I, I was always quite perplexed by how he was so good in Australia and then never had any results after that. So, so yeah, he, he, yeah, he kind of struggled after Australia. He, he had a loss to Kompoch, which was obviously big in our, in our qualifiers picks. Yeah. That one, I think, they stopped there. And then just, yeah, three, won three games against Jules Murray, uh, lost to Benjamin Hassan and four league qualifying, three games against uh, Jimeno Valero. Uh, and then sort of Rosetti Dalia Bruzzi brought him back to life a little bit, maybe the quarters last week and then semis this week. Uh, what, how, where do you see sort of Skatov's uh, year going after this recent development? If he can play his forehand as well as in Australia, I figured he could easily you know, break the top 200 or whatever. Where is he right now, actually? Probably not that far off. Ah, he actually broke that up on the top 200. So I'm I'm just talking crap here, but I don't know. Winning winning his first challenge. On Monday. Uh. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, winning his first challenger, let's say, if he can play his forehand as well as he did in Australia, just having that attacking weapon, not only his defensive options. And that 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 that's potentially what I'm... Let's say predicting. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I have in mind. And I'm assuming that the, the, the little dip that he had won't last all year. Yeah, a couple of other guys also broke the top 200. Uh, Andrea Pellegrino and Chego Agustin Tirante. Uh, so congrats to all of those guys. Pellegrino is more. such... I mean, he, he when he's on, he's fantastic to watch. He's really good. He, he can absolutely just dominate a match with how fast he plays. But imagine if last year, even at this moment, let's say the 20th of March, someone told you that in a year Andrea Pellegrino will be in the top 200. It's it's really one of the most unexpected debuts I think I've seen. And it's only the top 200, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a real shock. It's been a shock to like his peaks and his valleys are just so incredibly yep. far apart. It's just it's just insane to see. Like, it's just it's 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 wild, frankly. Yeah, he's three seven uh, for the year and just broke the top, the top two. Just broke the top two hundred. That's obviously on the uh, on his two thousand twenty one results. And and even yeah, when you're, yeah, yeah when you're looking for his two thousand twenty one results, it's like. Two good tournaments, then a 10, 10, uh, 10 match losing streak. 
then two two good tournaments and then a losing streak again. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane that he 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 had a title in two finals and finished uh with with, with a negative record. Like that is just proves how little consistency there is in his in his week in week out results. Uh all right, should we go to match and upset of the week? Absolutely. Yes, what's your what's your upset of the week here? What's my upset of the week? Um I think I'm gonna go with Altmaier Joseph Wari, maybe from Phoenix. I might be forgetting about something, but this was one that also caught me off guard. I remember after Rusuvori beat your 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 winner pick Nakashima, I I certainly had this thought that okay, this guy might also be winning the title. He seemed like one of the favorites in the top half. Like looking back on it, as I said, I I, I now believe that I was really underestimating Altmaier's hardcore game. But just you know, in, when when I'm taking into account how I felt watching that match or getting to you know get, seeing the result, uh, I believe I will have to go with Altmaier over Rusevori. Yes, uh, I, I thought about a couple of ones. I, I thought about Enzo Olivo beating Varias. That was a pretty, pretty big surprise to me. But I just have to go for Pellegrino over Maguire. We already spoke for we already, we already spoke about it quite a bit. Uh, but I just have no other choice. That was just the, the result that absolutely just took me out. I <laughs> wasn't expecting it in the slightest. Uh, who's your match of the week? Yeah, just just will we'll only mention that for the bookies, it was Olivo over Varias, and uh, the second one was uh, Altmaier over Rusevori. Yeah, my, my, my match of the week, I think, is quite predictable. If you've been listening to this podcast a lot, I'm going to go with Echeverri Bucarabelli. I mean, uh, I just always enjoy these four-hour battles between two South Americans on their continent, on their favorite surface. It's always, there's drama, there's excitement, there's fantastic level usually for, for most of the match because obviously you cannot really sustain something incredible for, for hours unless your name is like Djokovic or Nadal. But, but I mean, Echeverri Duo Carabelli was extremely thrilling indeed. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like I'm almost, almost every week I'm going for a long South American battle. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Also, Echeverri over Bukarabe. Uh, very, very fun, exciting match. As you basically said it all, watching two guys grinded on the clay is, <laughs> at least for us, it's fun. Some people don't like that at all. Um, but yeah, especially having both, both of us having Echeverri this week as our pick, uh, it had that little bit of, of uh, special <laughs> something there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we haven't really talked about it. We got our second point each, uh, which is very nice. Puts our percentages up at least. So that's that's good because uh, being, you know, 10 weeks in, having only one each was was not great uh, look for us. But uh, yes, so we go. we're not really celebrating because it was we, we did both pick the same guy. But with that, should we go to our winner picks this week? Yeah, absolutely. We've got four, four events to follow. Uh, do we start with just the biggest one? Although, honestly, it's not that exciting compared to the other ones. I'm not sure if you shared that what? view. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, 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 there's a couple that I, that I like more than this one, but let's go with Leo. It's the biggest one, a Challenger 90, uh, where Richard Asberankis uh, is the top seed playing Evan Furness. Uh, the winner faces Tobias Kamke or a qualifier. Other seed in section is Gregor Barrer. Uh, playing Andrea Arnaboldi. 
winner faces Sasha Guillemat Weinberg uh, or qualifier. Second section is Damir Jumhur playing a qualifier. Winner faces Jeffrey Blancano or Maxime Janvier. Uh, then we have Enzo Cuaco playing a qualifier. Winner faces Malik Jaziri or Yannick Madden. Uh, next, we have uh, Roman Safiulin playing a qualifier. Winner faces Hase or Marchenko. Uh, then there's eight seed Constant Mastien playing Kaichi Uchida. Winner faces Luca Nardi or uh, Sean Quinnen. <laughs> That's almost certainly not how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, I also have no clue how it's pronounced. I, I've been struggling <laughs> with this ever since he got the uh, got into the semis at Ron Garros Juniors last year. And I'm always just mentioning the three guys that were there with him. And this guy just, yeah, yeah. There was yeah, also another, French fr- another Frenchman, yeah. French guy named Sean really threw me off there. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, the final section, we have Quentin Ali. Uh, playing Mirza Basic, winner faces Vitaly Sachko or Alexander Muller. Uh, and to finish it off, Zizou Berg plays Antoine Huang. Uh, and the winner faces Simon Boapen uh, or a qualifier. Yes, who do you like here in, in Lille? Yeah, uh, I'm a little baffled. I mean, not baffled, but the, the wildcard choices are a little lower profile compared to which guy is some some of the guys that are in the qualities like Vanash or Fields but I don't know maybe it's like a, a local thing or something I mean uh, the guy whose name I'm not even gonna try to pronounce in, in in the in the correct French way is obviously very promising and the other two as well but but still, I, I would have expected a, a major wildcard for Fields or something. And he's actually going to have to play Lamazini in the qualities. Uh, plenty of good names there, like for Atek. Vatutin just won a 25k. And that uh, was he in the final, right? That uh, he lost in, in the final to, to, to Marius Kopil. So, so he's, he's also quite in, in, in good form right now, but we'll have to battle through Alexis Galarno to even get there. There's also Mats Rosenkrantz, always capable of, uh, of an upset or two on a fast surface. Uh, in terms of what I think about the draw, as I said, it's the by far the least exciting one for me this week. There's not even many first-round clashes I'm excited to see. By the way, do you know what Maxime Janvier's uh, win-loss, win-loss record is this year? Uh, not sure. Is he winless? Yeah, 0-8. Wow, yeah, I, I, I knew that he was winless on, on Challengers. I wasn't sure if he maybe got a win somewhere else but yeah wow yeah. that's rough it, I, I think huang is not quite winless but in a in a similar situation yeah one and seven so these are two two french guys to definitely stay away from um <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that's true i mean i who do you like for the winner here yeah i'm mostly looking at two guys uh that are in the same quarter <laughs> And I, out of them, I think I got to pick Quentin Ollis. Uh, the other one is Sisu Breaks, obviously. Safiulin is certainly a, a pretty viable pick as well. I don't know what steers me away from Berankis. I don't even, I don't know. Uh, maybe the fact that Barrer is in his quarter. Barrer did finish runner-up in this event last year. Sisu Breaks won it. So there's, there's a possibility of them meeting in the final again. Uh, but anyhow, out of Alice and Berks, which I think are among the best players in the field, as you said, Antoine Ong is not in great form, so so I, I'm not really expecting Zizou to 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 lose to him. Uh, I think Alice has to be my pick. He's 
been playing excellent for like the past, I don't know, six months or so. Obviously, has his is going to have his chances at reaching the top 100 for the very first time, which I'm hoping is not going to be that much of a burden for him mentally. Uh, yeah, Briggs and Halis uh, are two guys that are quite likely to to win the title. Uh, although they're in the same quarter, so I'm definitely staying away. Okay. Um, yeah, I I, I have Loki, but I just sort of thinking like should I, should I switch up my my pick here? Uh, quarters in Dubai won both of his uh, Davis Cup matches in, in Pakistan. Not that that's super relevant. Um, had a, had a nice run in in Moscow to the semis last year but i think i'm just going to stick with my original pick and that's roman safulin uh safulin has had a month out uh, i'm not sure if, there, if it was due to an injury or just wanted some rest um but obviously before he left he, he reached the semis in marseille uh semis in in paul uh i quite like a section here uh i mean hasa or machenko might be might be tricky but um yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do like his draw to to reach the semis. His semifinal will be tough against Halis or or Bergs, but uh, yeah, Safiulin is who I'm going to go with. Yeah, right now I'm just I I never even considered him, and that's quite surprising to me. Like I'm not angry at myself for picking Halis. That's that would obviously be stupid. To pick, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, I'm I'm I don't know why I never really considered Safiulin. Maybe the lack of a flag next to his name threw me off. Or something, I don't know. Oh man. All right. Uh let's let's stick with the with the hardcore theme. Let's go to let's go to Biel. Uh where Pierre Ugerbert is the top seed playing Borna Goyo, winner faces Urban Bemamans or qualifier. Uh then we have a little Swiss corner here mostly. Uh, Mark Andra Hisler plays wildcard Kilian Feldebausch. Uh and wildcard Jerome Kim plays Philip Horansky. Uh next section we have Aldo Chelibilek playing. Another wildcard, Landro Riedi. Winner faces Hiroki Moriya or Qualifier. Uh, then we have Daniel Mastur playing Chem Ilkel. Winner faces Yuri Rodionov or Qualifier. Third section, we have Dominic Stricker playing Yuichi Sugita. Winner faces Jelly or Qualifier. Timon Reitov in that section as well, playing, uh, playing a Qualifier. Winner faces Yevgeny Karlovsky or Braden Schnur. Uh, final section, Denis Novak is second seed playing Antoine Escoffier. Winner faces Mariusz Kopil or a qualifier. And then Pavel Kotov plays Ryan Peniston. Winner faces Katsperzuk or Gosoda. Yes, who do you like here in, in BL? I'm, I'm just looking at the qualities right now and I realized that Alexander Edler lost to Andrew Paulson, who is, by the way, Czech. Like uh, Andrew Paulson yes, doesn't definitely. really sound like that. But I'm just looking at what Edler has been doing. And I mean... Jesus Christ, this guy is on an awful run. I think he's like 214 in his last 16 matches. Jesus. And he that's, was that's... He, be, he beat Alcaraz at Kitzbühel last year, last year, right? He was and he's still playing extremely well in doubles. So I, I really don't know how it's how it's even possible. Anyhow, in the qualities, I guess there are a few players you could uh you could consider as as potential. Uh, dark horses like Otto Virtanen, maybe uh, he beat Rana Manatan, who was apparently injured. The match lasted like 44 minutes and it was a 6 4 6 2, which I guess speaks to the 
<laughs> the, the, the fast condition, rather fast conditions in BL, although I didn't remember them being that lightning fast, but maybe Ramanathan was just not even returning or something. Uh, Alexander mm. Kovacevic is here, which is quite interesting. I don't remember him playing uh, in Europe that much. And he's going to play Andrew Paulson. Uh, that's probably all there is in terms of like maybe LSLs as well. He he made the semis recently, right? In in, in Forley, I think, or or something. Yeah, in Forley. Anyhow, uh, looking at the draw, I'm very excited to see some of the uh, some of the Swiss guys like Stricker again, or Leandro Diedi. He just won uh, 25k in Trimbach today. Uh, so Trimbach is in Switzerland as well, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. him playing Chalik Bilek definitely doesn't want to make me go for Chalik Bilek, who's been a little off form recently. Herbert Goyo is uh, such a tough first round. And then they then they can face Ruben Bemelmans, who's always dangerous indoors. So I'm also staying away from that section in terms of the winner picks. I am basically debating between Stricker and Van Rijthoven, I think. And honestly, I don't really have a clue what to go for. Both can absolutely win it. Uh, if they meet, it's gonna be a surf fest. Should are they going to meet? It's very likely, uh, as the, the draws are very good for them. Um, and, oh, as Kofir Denis Novak, that's another cracker of a first round. I guess I am gonna go with Stricker. Why not? I mean, it's it's literally a 50-50 for me, although obviously Stricker is the one that I think has more potential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also picking Sticker uh, right there with you. Um, yeah, what was, was put off Air Bear with his first round? No, Denis Novak the same as Kofiad and then uh, you know Kotov is, is is not nice to play on indoor hard to shoot potentially. Um, yeah, Sticker as you said, the, the first rounds are very nice. I did just notice that he has two losses uh, since his Cleveland uh, title to to Pierre Uger Bear in the second one. A bit more considering to Benjamin Hassan. Uh, in what I think is the same, um, this uh, it, it's also in BL, uh, yeah. so, it's, so it's, the, it's the same building, which yeah, that, that sort of concerns me looking at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stick with with Strikat here. Yeah, that was 16 days ago to when we recorded when we were recording. Yeah. I guess I mean I don't know whether to look into it at all. Uh, it was obviously the Davis Cup tie between Lebanon and uh, Switzerland. Uh, Stricker mm. lost it, and then then it almost seemed like Lebanon has a chance. Uh, yeah, so we're go- we're both going Stricker, I suppose, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes. Should we close out Europe and go to Zadar? Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, Zadar. Uh, where in a very exciting first round, Gianluca Maguire plays Duya Idukovic. Um, winner faces Lorenzo Giustino or Jean Borpiros. Then we have Franco Agamenone playing a qualifier. Winner faces Gastel Eliash or another qualifier. Second section, Andre Martin plays a qualifier. What a lucky qualifier that'll be. Um, <laughs> winner faces Dalibor Svrčina or another qualifier. Then we have Dimitar Kuzmanov playing Nerman Fatic. Winner faces Wildcard Mili Polichak or a qualifier. Third section, we have Zdeni Kolaj playing Hamad Medjedovic uh, with the wild card here. We haven't, haven't seen him in a while, I don't think. So, so yeah, he played ITFs mostly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Winner faces Andrea Vavasori or Zhijin Zhang. Uh, then we have Manuel Guinard, the eighth seed here, playing Giulio Zepieri. Uh, and then the winner faces Lukas Rosso or another qualifier. 
Final section, Nikola Milojevic plays Eduard Esteve Lobato. Winner faces Rao Brancaccio or Javier Barranco Cosano. By the way, those two have um, played each other eight times already, which is <laughs> quite insane. This will be their, their ninth meeting. Barranco Cosano leads the head to it five to three. Um, then we have Flavio Koboli playing Nino Serdarusic. And the winner faces Denis Istomin or Dino Prismic. Uh, yes, who do you like here in Zadar? Yeah, uh, out of the qualies, Misoric looks quite interesting. He didn't win at 25k. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. in there. Michalski sort of looks interesting. I mean, this is a great qualies draw for him. He's he only has to beat Matteo Persico now. Uh, whether he is an actual dark horse for anything in this tournament, I don't know. He looked pretty good in in ITFs last month. Had a little bit of a break recently. I I, I don't know. I mean, he's obviously quite limited by his own. Very defensive playstyle. Uh, which is which is quite impressive for Michalski. Seventeen and three is his record. Yes, this year. absolutely. Yeah, he he had a fantastic run at the beginning, but obviously the level of most of the opposition wasn't great, and he also lost twice to Martin Cuevas. Yes, in, there in were some game. there were some good wins in there like Krutek or Bonadio. Uh, Bonadio, yes, or yes, Bonadio. So so it's not all that bad. But the the two matches lost to Martin Cuevas. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't really been able to es- establish himself at the challenger level mm-hmm. like at all, right? Uh, but Misolic definitely looks the most dangerous out of the qualifiers. I think Ergi Kirkin as well was doing extremely well. I think he lost to Baranko Cosano in a twenty five k in Antalya this week. Uh, Misolic, no, sorry, not in Italia, but in Croatia, in uh, Rovin, and Misolic won the week before in Porec. So, uh, in in Rovin, ah, was to Stracina in like the semis or something, right? Yeah, yeah, and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, so they're they're both uh, they're both really in form at this this point in time, they have a lot of much practice. China, also, I mean, we haven't seen him at challenger level this year. But he made two two ITF finals, so the, uh, these are really guys who could who could do something here with how much the seeds are also like compromised. Let's say, I mean Milojevic, <laughs> I never I never trust him the, the, to to actually you know win a few matches here or there because he seems maybe not as much as Pellegrino. He always seems quite random in whether he does well or not. Mager Idukovic, that's as you mentioned uh, a fantastic first round. Uh, Fatih Kuzmanov is quite interesting because they played here in the semis last year, I think, or the quarters, and Fatih had to retire, uh, and n- now they're meeting in the in the first round. Uh, Hamad Medjedovic, uh, whom you also gave him, no, you mentioned everyone, but you you, you took a bit of a stop. Special mention. <laughs> yeah, a special <laughs> mention to Hamad Medjedovic. I checked, he actually hasn't uh, played anything outside of an ITF since Umag last year. So that's why we haven't really, well, maybe not heard about it, but we haven't really seen him in a while. Uh, Koboli Serdarusic, another great match where I either of these guys could be my winner picks. Uh, usually when I'm talking this match, it means that I do not have a clue what to go for here. Uh, I actually have like a crazy idea, which I think I am going to follow. And I'm going to say Dalibor Sčina. Ooh. I don't want right. to go. I don't want to go for wrong. someone like Misolic because he's in the qualies still, and obviously had a lot of tennis recently. 
I think he lost to Baranko Gosano in Rovin, but won Poretz uh, the week before. So it's so it's really hard uh, for 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 me to pick someone out of this. And I think Stina, you know, he got some decent match practice before getting back to the challenger level. He he's obviously great on clay. And I'm not gonna lie to you, this pick is based on the fact that he is with Andre Martin uh, in the same right <laughs> in the same part of the bracket. I yeah, I mean it's it's a great draw for for everybody in there. It's a great draw for qualifying. <laughs> it's it's a good opportunity for for Martin to finally get a couple of wins in a row. It's a great potential breakout opportunity for for Sochina. and it is also I think a very good opportunity for Dimitar Kuzmanov, who's my pick, uh, right in there. Yeah, Fadic. It's not the easiest first round, but then you know qualifier or wild card and Martin Sochina, a couple more qualifiers in there. This guy is a semi-finalist uh, in, in here in Zadar. Uh, and then afterwards, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, Maguer, impossible to pick after losing last week. And then Idukovic and Piroš in his, in his early matches. Yeah. Milojevic, never pick him. Um, Collage, I, I thought about for, for maybe half a second. Um, but no, no, it's... it's I feel like he me. hasn't done well this year, right? I mean, I... I'm yeah, not... he's, he's two and six. Uh, yeah, exactly. But... I just yeah. couldn't remember him winning matches, literally. Yeah, he defeated Colarini yeah, and Villanueva, so yeah. Not great for him, yeah. Hopefully our boy can recover soon because he needs more of those challenger doubles titles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I obviously love the Kuzmanov pick because I have been picking Dimitar Kuzmanov to win so many things last year. And uh, I probably missed him on the on the week that he actually got it. Yeah, I think I picked Molchan to, to mm-hmm. Barcelona, yeah. Barcelona then. So, I mean... Yeah, I love it. I I don't know why I didn't go for it. Probably I didn't like the fact that he was just also not doing that well recently. But yeah, Dalibor Stina is definitely a crazy pick. But I just don't believe either of us are going to get a point in Zadar, really. I'm I'm actually pretty confident in Gustbarov. Well, not not fully confident, but I'm very confident in making the semis. Uh, And then, you know, two matches away, who knows? Uh, I will do a little bit of a double scoring here. Collage is playing with Vavasori, and he's definitely my pick to, to win the title mm-hmm. here. Dumbia is actually playing with not Red Bull, he's playing with Marco Bartolotti. Uh, Bortolotti, sorry, uh, which makes me think that Red Bull has, I don't know, died or something. I don't know why those two would ever separate. <laughs> they just COVID-19, so COVID-19 or something, I don't know. It, it, it's possible. Um, not not sure why why Red Bull is absent here. Yeah, they were playing together but, in Phoenix, so maybe could could it be that Red Bull got into Miami with someone? I'm not sure. I will um, I will quickly see that, but I don't see him on the entry list, so probably not. Yes, yeah. No, probably oh, not. Knows? Probably not. Uh, let's go to our final challenger uh, preview this week in Santa Cruz de la Sierra, which I, th- I think we'll just go by Santa Cruz. I, th- yeah. I think we can <laughs> shorten it like that. We don't have to have another uh, super long title here where Hugo Dayen uh, is the top seed playing Paul Job uh, in the first round. Um, winner faces uh, a qualifier as, they, as two of the matchup in the first round there. Other scene in the section is Jesper de Jong playing qualifier. Uh, and then the winner of that face is Edan Casanova, who plays a qualifier. Um, then we have Tomas Martin Echeverri, fourth seed, playing Gerard Notzer. 
Winner faces Andrea Coyarini or Mateus Bocina with Almeida. Then we have Tomas Barrios Vera playing Nick Hart. Winner faces Gonzalo Lama or Felipe Meligeni Rodriguez Alves. Third section, we have a rematch from last week of Juan Pablo Varias playing Renzo Olivo, their sixth uh, meeting. Winner faces Johan Nicholas or wildcard Juan Carlos Prado Angelo. Uh, seventh seed Facundo Mena plays Goncalo Oliveira. Winner faces Nicolas Moreno de, Albor de Alboran or Alexander Richard, who's back to being Swiss, back to Swiss for, for Richard. Final section, we have uh, a second seed Pablo Cuevas playing Morkel de Yen. Winner faces Steven Diaz or Qualifier. And then we have Camilo Gucarabe against Santiago Faro de Gestaverna, who he owns four and zero in their in their head-to-head. Quite interesting. And the winner of that face is Genaro Alberto Olivieri or a qualifier. Who do you like here in Santa Cruz? Yeah, a few interesting guys in the qualities, mostly these who have been excellent in ITFs but can't like, truly break through. So Daniel Dutra da Silva or Facundo Juarez. Uh, Juan Bautista Torres again, whom I mentioned a, a few times. I mean, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a shame he has to play qualities to, every week. But I mean, once once we get to Argentina, I suppose he's he's probably going to get wild cards because he looks really promising yep. right now. Um, yeah, as as for the winner picks, this is a tricky event because obviously we'd usually be going Echeverry or Delian, I imagine. But after what what they showed this week, after the twelve hours that Echeverry spent on the court, after Delian being tired in the final, I'm just not sure if I'm. No, if I'm able to do it, and I'm probably not really. And Olivo is playing Varias, so they're another favorite has a has a tough first round. Hugo Carabelli, Rodriguez Taverna, I could see myself going for either of these guys. Obviously, Pablo Cuevas is also a little bit of a weird pick. He's like one four for the year, I think, and only got one win in Davis Cup against. Uh, who they were playing against New Zealand, right? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. He even lost to uh, Rubin Stadium. So, <laughs> I remember us, you know, struggling to pronounce whether it was like Jason Statham or not. Uh, sorry, this, this is this is random. But I'm assuming it is. I, I always say Rubin Statham when I say it to my, you know, in my mind. Anyhow, it, 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 it makes sense, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, for sure. I mean, English-speaking country, after all. Anyhow, I am going for Jesper de Jong which might be a Ooh. little bit of a surprising pick, but I really enjoyed him. Uh, not this week, uh, but two weeks ago, right? He he played uh, in Santiago and got to the quarters, lost to Hugo Delien, who he might actually face in the quarters again. But I thought he was playing much better than the, you know, than, than, than his, the results of this match would actually suggest. And because Echeverry and Dalian are tired, I think he might be there to clean it up if they're not, you know, if they're not ready to perform at their best level. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of the similar school of thinking of, of what I was originally thinking. Maybe uh, I, I was considering Ugo Carabe. Uh, Rodriguez Taverna is is not easy to face, but he's a, he's on a four match losing streak. Ugo Carabe owns the head to head. Cuevas, I don't I don't really trust. So I thought it was quite a nice section, but I've actually decided to go for Ugo Dayen. Just his his matches were just so short last week. I just can't. 
imagine him going into uh, what is uh, a, a challenger in Bolivia, his home country, and just sort of not really giving it his all. Uh, with the draw he has, I like it a lot and, until he has to play De Jong in the quarters. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel good about this. Yes. You don't want to go for the other Dalian? I mean, he's he's also going to <laughs> perform in Bolivia, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, he, he has to be really hungry after his college career, you know, to, to get back on track. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I'm going to stick with, with Ugo over, <laughs> over Mugia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe my prediction turns out to be true, and Ugo Delian is gonna arrive in the quarterfinals dead tired, barely even walking, and Jesper De Jong is just gonna beat him two and two. If that yeah, happens, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So I guess we arrived at the finish finish line. Uh, yeah, these episodes are going to be long from now on because we're entering that period of the of the year which is actually probably going to last until like the end of the year with some exceptions when uh, when there's yeah we're, 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 gonna, we're gonna get a bit of a break when when the slams start hitting him yeah know. exactly when the, yeah, when there's slams there's quality, gonna be so it's not that much of a <laughs> it's not it's not that easy so. yeah dry dry spells are going to be scarce in the next months but april is absurdly huge and we're practically going to get four or five events almost every week from now on uh, so yeah prepare for some longish episodes uh thanks for listening and see you next week when we're gonna discuss um santa cruz lil zadar and biel bye When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the show. A huge thank you, as always, to our Crack Rackets contributors, Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro, for recording this episode. I know I say it every week. I mean it every time. You are not going to find two people more passionate, more enthusiastic, more knowledgeable about all things ATP Challenger-centric. Uh, ATP Challenger Tour, excuse me, than these two. So again, a huge thank you to them for their continued uh, support and contributions to this show. Of course, I mentioned this at the top. You're looking for all things Indian Wells. We've got it covered on our mini break podcast feed. We'll be previewing Miami, of course, on that feed this week as well. We'll recap all of that action as it begins. We're still, of course, talking about all the college action happening across the country as well. Women's show every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel. We talk about the men Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, broadcast Friday and Sunday, all things SEC on Friday, all things Big Ten on Sunday. It's fun times for us here at Cracked Rackets, and again, we are immensely grateful for the support we get from all of you for those things. If you've missed any of it, catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, for the media, more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. A shout-out, as well, to our friends at Turna. Remember to join the Turna team. Contact sales at UniqueSports.com today. With all that said, for 
Cracked Rackets contributors Damien Kust and Jakob Bobra, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turn On from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we'll see you all later this week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.